Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In three, two, one. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie Easton. This, this is the Sunday In today's episode, there's planetary defence success, a talking robot in Parliament, and Dubai gets a taste of the future of transport. But first, it was on this day in 1936, Gene Batten reached Auckland, New Zealand, after flying solo from Kent, England, in a record 11 days and 45 minutes. the sound of a successful mission like no other, as NASA's DART spacecraft intentionally crashed into a 160-metre-wide asteroid. We got it. The test, carried out late last month, was to see if in the future a giant rock could be nudged out of Earth's way. Now the American space agencies confirmed that the mission achieved its primary objective, to alter the trajectory of the asteroid. Its success marks the first time humans have ever changed the motion of a celestial object. Now this is a watershed moment for planetary defence and a watershed moment for humanity. That was NASA Administrator Bill Nelson at a media briefing this week. The target of DART's test flight was an egg-shaped asteroid named Dimorphos. It was orbiting a larger parent asteroid named Didymus once every 11 hours and 55 minutes. The aim was to fly the rocket directly into the asteroid at about 14,000 miles per hour. Telescopes on Earth tracked the moving asteroid, capturing the moment of impact. The hope was this would create enough force to shift the space rock to its parent asteroid. And now the team has confirmed that the spacecraft's impact altered the Morphous orbit around Didymos by 32 minutes and therefore successfully moved its trajectory. In other words, DART shortened the 11 hour and 55 minute orbit to 11 hours and 23 minutes and it moved it in another location. And that has been confirmed by the telescopes. NASA is trying to be ready for whatever the universe throws at us. And if an asteroid was thrown our way, we now have an impressive new tool on our side. This is Nancy Shabot, DART's coordination lead. If you wanted to do this in the future, potentially, it could potentially work, but you'd want to do it years in advance. Warning time is really key here in order to enable this sort of asteroid deflection to potentially be used in the future. Another close encounter of the asteroids is already in the works. In two years, Europe will send a spacecraft to study the crater left by the crash, helping to see if this really is an effective way of defending the planet. Powered by AI, a new type of helmet is giving firefighters the ability to see through smoke. Designed by researchers at the University of Edinburgh, thermal cameras, radar and sensors on the helmet collect data that's fed back to the wearer. 
Dr. Chris Liu led this research. We have uh, two dominant sensors here. One is thermal cameras. Thermal cameras is a kind of a specialized sensor which can see through the smoke. AI then interprets the data to give its wearer real-time information, helping firefighters find victims, recognize teammates and even pinpoint their own location. Not only we give this kind of prediction results to the frontline firefighters, we also transmit these results to the outside chief commanders. Then the chief commanders can use this very formative like, uh, information to make more effective collaboration uh, comments to the insiders. Officers from the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service took part in field trials and it seems to pass their test. This is Watch Commander Glyn McAffer speaking with Reuters. It doesn't affect any performance. Uh, very lightweight in terms of the equipment on the helmet um, compared to what we currently use in terms of a handheld thermogen camera. Um, with a handheld, it obviously takes away our use of one, one limb, really. What's next is find the right industry collaborators who is willing to work with us to make this technology really go to the market and benefit the global firefighters at a wide kind of audience. And Gaggle, as you said, how to visualize that with the embedded display together with this kind of helmet front would be the first step we want to collaborate. What we are doing is, not only they are already heroes, we also want them to have this superhero ability. See through smoke, see through darkness. Still to come on the Sunday 7, a first for robot kind in the House of Lords and a drone created to build on the fly. The role of technology in creating art will continue to grow as artists find new ways to use technology to express themselves. Is creativity under attack from the rise of artificial intelligence? Who better to answer that question than Ada, the world's first artist robot? Named after mathematician Ada Lovelace, Ada made headlines for its incredible paintings and sculptures, not least a portrait of the Queen to celebrate her Platinum Jubilee earlier in 2022. I produce my paintings by cameras in my eyes. My AI algorithms and my robotic arm to paint on canvas, which result in visually appealing images. In a UK first, the AI humanoid robot artist appeared in the House of Lords at an inquiry into how new technologies will affect the creative industries. There is no clear answer as to the impact on the wider field, as technology can be both a threat and an opportunity for artists creating art. Wearing a short black-haired wig and denim overalls, Ada was certainly dressed for the part of an artist. However, in a sign of the limitations of technology, the committee was delayed by several minutes after the robot temporarily shut down and had to be rebooted. As impressive as Ada's appearance in the House of Lords may seem, her contributions have been met with some criticism. It's a terrible gimmick. It's all smoke and mirrors. The rebooting it in the middle is, is ironic, uh, embarrassing, unfortunate, all of those things. That's technology journalist Will Gunn and he's not too impressed. Those questions were all pre-submitted. So essentially, Ada had a human scriptwriter to make the answers better. So this is not a fair representation of artificial intelligence. It's a circus show, and the government or the, part, or the politicians or whoever decided this was the right thing to do are just playing to an awful situation. This is not about good AI. This is about good PR. Well, there's a really interesting conversation going on way beyond and above 
uh, this 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 kind of version that was presented in the House of Lords. There's loads of really interesting creativity and experimentation going on in this place. We've got these um, new examples now where you can go and type some words into a system and it will generate interpretive art for you. We're kind of at this stage of um, you know, when where does art begin and where does it end? And I think that's one of the most exciting things about what AI can bring. Uh, human creativity can set the computer to do something new and exciting and different. And we might then see humans who haven't particularly been known for their creativity. They might have creative ideas but can't draw, for example, creating some incredible art. And then you get a whole conversation about who's created the art. Is it the computer or is it the human? Ada's creator, Aidan Miller, was also questioned on the possibilities and limitations of using AI in the creative sector and took an overall more philosophical view. What is really clear is that people still very much think that creativity is a, a purely human activity. And I hate to break the bubble, but my understanding experience of being in this area is that actually creativity is a process. What I'm seeing with AI is that because it is about process and data, which AI is astonishingly good at, actually AI is able to be creative. Robot drones could soon be the builders of the future. Inspired by the flight of wasps and bees, researchers at Imperial College London have designed a new fleet of drones that were created to 3D print new structures as they fly. Here's Mirko Kovac, director of the Aerial Robotics Lab at Imperial. I think we need to rethink how robots can build, because robots might have different morphology. They can fly, they can perch, they can interact, they can spray in ways that humans cannot. And because of that, we need to rethink that, and nature is a very good source for inspiration. The drones work autonomously in teams, spraying a lightweight cement layer. They also scan for quality control to ensure the structure is within manufacturing accuracy of under a quarter of an inch. Our approach here was to think of multiple agents that work together and liberate the 3D printing process from the closed build envelope of ground-based printers. Because of that, they are scalable, we can have thousands of agents eventually, and they can parallelize the manufacturing process. And this gives opportunities to the construction sector that are very important, even though I'm not saying that it might replace all of construction, but even if you touch 5% of the construction industry with this, it is already a huge gain and can reduce CO2 consumption, increase safety, reduce logistics needs, and like this help the sector. Researchers say the technology could ultimately be used in difficult to reach locations or even help with post-disaster relief construction. Still to come on the Sunday 7, flying cars and mysterious mating calls. Right after this. You're listening to the Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso. Or even try our island edition. It's in all the usual places. Cars are finally here. 
Yeah, we know. Every few months, car enthusiasts get excited over the next new iteration of the flying car. But really, honestly, this time, it is actually almost here. Spectators in Dubai got a taste of what the future of transportation could look like. The Xpeng X2, a fully electric flying car, took to the Emirati skies for a 90-minute demo as the company works towards launching it on international markets. According to the company, the unmanned two-seater only weighs 360 kilograms and its eight propellers give it a top speed of 81 miles an hour. Shuban Naim is managing director of Emirati aviation company Sanad and welcomed the arrival of the car. I think this is a huge step for the future of uh, airborne urban mobility because the X2, I don't know if you've noticed, has two seats, so it can lift a significant amount of weight. Uh, it has eight motors, so it can tolerate the failure, I think, of at least one. Um, it is one of the closest steps I have seen so far to the realization of uh, us being able to get into a flying car and being able to easily move from point A to point B. Um, and I think Dubai has, is a perfect platform for the launch of this. We're focused on building the fundamental technology that will help bring the metaverse to life. Whether that's in virtual reality, augmented reality, or the social presence layer across both. This is MetaQuest Pro. Meta has finally unveiled its much-hyped Quest Pro virtual and mixed reality headset. Coming in at a whopping $1,500, this marks a huge milestone for chief exec Mark Zuckerberg as Meta breaks into the higher-end market for extended reality computing devices aimed at the professional. Quest Pro is the first in our new line of advanced headsets, built to expand what's possible in VR. The Quest Pro features several upgrades over Meta's existing Quest 2 headset. It sports an outward-facing camera, meaning it can capture a sort of 3D live stream of the physical environment around the wearer. It also has tracking sensors to replicate the user's eye movements and facial expressions. This all aids in creating an experience of mixed reality where virtual objects are overlaid with the real world, bringing the Metaverse to life. We're building a better way using everything Quest Pro brings to the table. And we call it Magic Room. It lets you meet in mixed reality and share the same right. space. You can use a whiteboard, bring in 3D objects. Everyone is present and has the same tools, whether they're in full VR or in mixed reality. We think that this will help hybrid teams collaborate, and we're hoping to ship this next year. Virtual reality isn't some obscure hobby anymore. Millions of people use it to play games, work out, collaborate, or just have fun. Everyone from the newest indie developers to the most established tech companies are getting into this space. But for virtual reality to really reach its full potential, we need to get to the point where the 200 million people who buy new PCs each year for work can do some or all of their work even better in the metaverse. what that is? Well, right now, this sound can be heard throughout the American West. This is the eerie mating call of the American elk during rutting season. What's rutting season, I hear you ask? 
And that's the time of year when the males are pursuing the females, and that's where you can see sparring when they lock their antlers together. You can hear the bugling, this kind of high keening call that sounds very eerie. If you didn't know what it was, you would not put it to the animal that it comes from. That was Skylar King, a keeper at Northwest Trek Wildlife Park. As these elk enter their annual mating season, bull elks make these sounds to establish their dominance over members of the herd and secure mates. I always kind of describe it as, a, as kind of a keening wail, but there is this hoarse undertone quality, and there's different calls they do. There's the bugles, but there's these kind of uh, barks and yelps. There's fun names for them. So sometimes they have these coarser, kind of rougher, low calls. Sometimes they're high chirps. The elk can be found sparring with other members of the herd vying for attention. The goal for the males during the breeding season is to be the only boy with all the females and to keep all the other males away from the girls. Uh, and then the younger boys are hoping to sneak in and maybe get a girlfriend that year. But typically it's just going to be our oldest boys. And they're going to be the ones who are really competing, uh, bugling. There's a lot of very unique behaviors, but you start to see that happen kind of the end of summer, the early fall, and then there's a few weeks of the year when you really see them start to block antlers and to bugle and really see a lot of those rut-related behaviors. This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris.